This is the Less Doing Podcast with your host, Ari Mysel. Learn how to optimize, automate, and outsource and be more effective at everything. This is Ari Mizell from lessdoing.com. So far, I'm keeping up with my goal of trying to get this podcast out to you on a much more regular basis. I've got this one today as well as another one coming up very shortly. I just have to add some new comments to that one. So a couple things I want to go over today before we get to the interview. First one, uh, there's a website called calm.com. And they have an iPhone app, too, that goes with it. And it's a very simple app uh, service that basically provides guided meditation that you can do in 2, 5, 10, or even 20 minutes. And it's not the kind of meditation you might be used to. It's basically it shows you a very calm image, either of nature or of some sort, and walks you through a process of closing your eyes and grounding your feet and just listening and kind of centering yourself and the fact that you can get it done in as little as two minutes is pretty cool and means that if you're the kind of person who feels like they couldn't sit still for you know five minutes, much less an hour or 20 minutes even of true meditation, it's something that I definitely recommend giving a try. And it's the kind of thing that you could do anytime during the day or right before you go to bed just to kind of reset yourself a little bit. I think it's, uh, it's definitely worth checking out. Uh, I also want to give a little shout-out to the New Jersey Tech Meetup Group. I was their featured speaker last week in Hoboken, and it was a great crowd. It was about 150 people, who, uh, all of whom were really engaged and asked some really great questions, and I got some really cool follow-up from people afterwards. So uh, I wanted to say thank you to the New Jersey Tech Meetup for having me out, and if you're anywhere in the Tri-State area, I recommend joining the meetup. It's the, the largest tech meetup in the area, if not the country, I'm not sure. Uh, so get on their mailing list because they have a lot of interesting stuff going on. Uh, I also want to talk about Airbnb. So, you know, Airbnb is a really great resource for not only finding kind of last-minute apartments or amazing villas around the world that you can rent, but it's also a really good way for you to rent out a property that you own, whether it's a room or an entire house. Uh, and my wife and I have a house in upstate New York that we rent out through Airbnb. And uh, our first renter, we had kind of a, a, a not-so-great experience with them. And their customer service at Airbnb at first was not ideal, but then I took to Twitter and got uh, a little bit of a response, which was really cool. And now it's all been resolved. Uh, and I'm, I'm a, a big fan of Airbnb as if, if you're a property owner. It's a great way to kind of make supplemental income very easily. People have reviews. They manage the whole process of money and uh, security deposits and cleaning fees and all that stuff. And uh, it just works out really well. So I'm sure most of you heard of Airbnb, but I just want to kind of give it my, my kind of vote of approval. So the interview today is with Chris Muscarella of kitchensurfing.com. Uh, which is a different kind of outsourcing when it comes to having food prepared. 
So without giving too much away, let's get to the interview. Oh, and uh, if you get a chance to review the podcast on iTunes or on SoundCloud, I would really appreciate that. And, and, and of course, if you have any thoughts or feedback, I'd love to hear that as well. So without any further delay, here's the interview. Hi, and welcome to the Less Doing Podcast. Today we're talking with Chris Muscarella of Kitchen Surfing. Hi, Chris. Hey, Ari. How are you? Good. Thank you for uh, taking the time to talk to us today. Um, so you are the CEO of Kitchen Surfing. I want you to start off by telling us what Kitchen Surfing is. So Kitchen Surfing is a community marketplace of really talented chefs and cooks all over the world and people that love to eat food. And people have been using kitchen surfing for all kinds of things. You know, they've been using it for kind of like catering light. You know, you want to have a really nice birthday party or you're having a graduation party, something for your office. And they've also been using it for kind of like weekly pre-prepped meals for their family. And more and more people are starting to use it almost like a restaurant alternative. You know, it's like if you have young kids or something like that, it's not that much fun to go out to a restaurant. And to have the chef come into you and have an amazing meal with your friends uh, is something that people really seem to be enjoying. So, you know, this is which is this is great because I'm a big proponent of kind of homemade meals and, and you know being sort of more in touch with the food that you are eating or that's being made for you or that you know seeing the ingredients. So whether it's made on site by the chef or they you know make it off site and maybe do meal delivery, I, I, I think that the what you're accomplishing here is really amazing. Uh, so how does it work generally? Does someone just, do you, how, how, how does somebody, you know, do they post what the event is or what they need? How does it work? Yeah, so, you know, the way that it works right now is there's sort of two different tracks. One is you, you can go in and we're live in New York City, Boston, uh, and Berlin, Germany right now, although we're going to be opening up many more cities in the near future. Um, And the way that it works is you can go in and you can browse specific chefs if you're looking for something, uh, you know, really particular. You know, you're looking for, like, one specific dish from, like, a Jordanian chef. And you can go and you can find that Jordanian chef. Although the more common use case is that somebody comes in and they basically post what they're looking for. You know, you'd say, hey, I'm Ari. I want to have a four-person dinner with a few snacks for, like, three kids. Um, here are the types of cuisine that I like the most. Here are some of my dietary restrictions. You know, what can you do for me? And you'll get responses back maybe from five or six chefs that would love to do that job for you. So, I, I, so I've had one personal experience with kitchen serving so far, which was I, I can't even begin to describe how good it was. But basically, uh, last weekend was uh, my, some of my wife's friends had a surprise baby shower for her, and I – I took a chance, and it was like two days before the event, and I posted that I wanted someone to come and uh, do kind of like a light tapas meal for my wife and her friends. And uh, she had a, you know, I was very specific with some parameters, Part one of which was that uh, since my wife is pregnant and there were a couple other uh, pregnant women there, that the food had to be friendly to that, you know, so nothing raw or unpasteurized. And also, because it was a surprise, she had to get in, the, the chef, had to get in a very specific time frame, basically, and all sorts of stuff. And I got two bids back, and we ended up using this one uh, chef, uh, Kate Key, and she was just absolutely wonderful and made the day amazing, and the food was delicious, and it, it, it made it into such a special day 
and cost-wise was less, I would say, than any one of those people going to uh, dinner at, or, you know, having a meal at a restaurant. So, I, I mean, I, I couldn't rave about it more, but I haven't had the chance to use it for other things like meal delivery or, or that kind of stuff. So that's kind of intriguing as well. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, one of the things that we see with our customers is, is like, interesting trends for us is that most people will come in to the site, you know, and do something somewhat similar to what you did, which is they have some sort of special event, some sort of special thing, and they have a great experience and they're like, wow, like, that was awesome, and that was kind of easy. How do I use this again? What am I going to do? Um, and, you know, then they end up kind of coming back and using it for a more casual use the next time. And, you know, to me, if that ends up being our customer life cycle, I think that's fantastic. Well, so, and she actually, the chef had emailed me after and said, you know, can I send you some info on my uh, my prenatal, postnatal uh, chef or uh, private chef services? So, yeah, it kind of opened up a new world for me because as with a lot of outsourcing, which I, you know, which I, I recommend to all sorts of people with virtual assistants and outsourcing ghostwriters and whatever it might be, most people seem to think that a lot of these things are inaccessible because of either their lack of experience or because of cost. And honestly, like, what you have on your site from what I've seen so far just seems like people who really love to do this, and it is very, very accessible and not intimidating in any way at all. Yeah, I think that that's the goal. And I think, you know, one of the things that we're hoping to be able to do is just make it more and more clear what you can get for various dollar amounts. I mean, I think one of the things that's interesting about having an online labor marketplace versus an online marketplace for physical goods or things like, um, you know, apartment rentals like Airbnb is that it's a little bit more difficult to explicitly say what things cost because it's variable. Um, and so there's like an aspect of educating the market. Mind is kind of blown. Sorry, well, I, can you just repeat where you said there was an aspect you cut out there? That, oh, that, that there's an aspect of marketplaces where, in a labor marketplace, um, you know, the pricing isn't necessarily as clear as like pricing a good. You know, it's like you want to post something on Etsy. It's like here's this thing. It's twenty dollars. It's very simple. You know, whereas with kitchen surfing, because a chef will work with you to do whatever you want, there's a little bit of, like, bespokeness around pricing. And so the thing that's really kind of on kitchen surfing's plate is to tell better stories about what's available and what people have done and at what price so that people understand what's available. And I think, you know, it takes a little bit more time to do it that way, but it really kind of, like, opens up people's eyes to a wider range of possibilities, which is really what we're shooting for. Yeah, so you mentioned something interesting there, which is that there's a story being told, and it's true, and food does that in a very interesting way, and whether it's your, whether it's a matter of you introducing yourself or your family or your friends to a new kind of cuisine, or simply being able to enjoy the food because you've been working all day and you just don't have the opportunity to make a home-cooked meal, and this is about as close as it gets to a home-cooked meal, especially if the chef is cooking in your home. So I, I think that, that that aspect of the story being told is, is really wonderful. Um, what is the process for somebody to become a provider? Do they have to be a professionally trained, trained chef or, or just someone who loves food? Like, how does, it, how does that aspect of it work? You know, the thing that we've done that I think is – tricky and and I think we've made it work is that we kind of have open arms to everyone that loves to cook and you know our goal is that we want to have chefs on on the site 
from Michelin-starred chefs, which we have, you know, all the way down to maybe somebody that just says that they only do one dish that they learned from their grandmother or whatever that might be. And that's really the goal for us. Um, and so you don't have to be a professional. Um, we have amateur cooks on board. We have professional cooks. You know, the, the chefs that do the most business through kitchen surfing um, usually are pros or, like, aspiring pros. You know, I mean, I think, you know, we have chefs that go and make almost $10,000 a month through kitchen surfing. And for those guys, I mean, they're hustling and they know a lot about how to do really fast prep. You know, they're pros at kind of like managing like relationships with inquiries and customers. But we also have people that kind of like doing kitchen surfing just for fun, like every once in a while, um, which is great. I mean, to me, that means that we've got kind of like a thriving community. Um, not just some sort of like labor market. Yeah, and and that I think that plays well into the idea of the, the story being told even more so, which is which is really cool. So now, are you a chef? How did you how did you get to to this idea of kitchen serving? Uh, I am a competent cook. I don't know if I would call myself <laughs> a chef. Um, you know, it's like I I can handle a ten or twelve person dinner party pretty well, but. If you put me uh, on the line at, like, a high-volume restaurant, I'd probably die. Um, <laughs> I, um, you know, I've been in the technology business for quite some time, I guess almost 15 years now, um, which is funny because I'm not that old. I'm only 30. Um, and I have this love-hate relationship with computers where uh, I'll, work, I'll work on, you know, a technology-related project for, like, three, four, or five years, whatever, and then just kind of, like, not want to be in front of a computer anymore. And the last time that happened to me was sort of in 2009, and so I did what every rational person does, is I decided that it would be really fun to try and open a restaurant um, with a bunch of friends. And so we opened a restaurant in Brooklyn, which is where I live, and um, it's been really successful. Uh, and most of the credit for that is definitely due to my business partners who are kind of like the managing partners of, of Rucola, the restaurant. Um, but I just observed a lot of really interesting things there, which is the fact that you've got all these tremendously talented chefs who they don't have a place for themselves online yet. You know, it's like everybody else has some spot for themselves online, whether you're a photographer and you have a portfolio site or you're a designer and you've got Dribble and Behance. You know, for people that love to cook, they don't have that thing. And it seemed like there was an interesting opportunity there, um, also understanding that, you know, a lot of these people are talented, but they have no way of being discovered. And so when you go to work on the line at a restaurant, even if it's a very fancy, very nice restaurant where people are paying, you know, $1,000 for a meal, the people that are in the back of the kitchen are getting paid about $15 an hour. Um, and, you know, the, the executive chefs and the sous chefs make more money than that. And I think, you know, one of the things that we've seen, and this is like the trend uh, in a lot of things, it's a trend in food and it's a trend in, um, in, in like culture more generally, is this notion of being closer to the person that makes the thing that you're either buying or consuming, you know, whether that's Etsy or whether that's kitchen surfing. And, you know, even now you see like a lot of the, the hottest new restaurants in cities like Paris or New York, London, you know, the kitchen is basically becoming an open kitchen where people can watch the chefs at work. So people are getting closer to the chefs. And so we just decided to take that to, like, the most extreme place possible uh, and actually have the chefs and, like, with their whole personality come into your home. I, I love it. I, I think that's such a 
great genesis for, again, what I think is just an amazing, amazing offering. So uh, the last question that I, I always like to ask people uh, in these interviews is, what are your top three personal productivity tips? You know, I mean, I, I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to say three names. I'm going to say Mark Andreessen, Peter Thiel, and William James, the early psychologist. And I think the, the biggest thing about actually being productive is to first admit that multitasking doesn't work. Um, and if you admit that, then you accept that you have a limited throughput or amount of things that you can possibly understand or focus on at any given point in time. And the name of the game becomes how do you only pay attention to those things that are important? Because one of the things that Peter, Peter Thiel says a lot is like, you know, if you focus on 20 things, you never end up really creating that kind of like step value function uh, in value creation that really gets you to another level. And, you know, Mark Andreessen has talked publicly a lot about, like, every day it's only three things. Like, if I get these three things done, I'm happy. And they're the most important things for the day, and you can't compromise on that. And so I – and William James is kind of like the progenitor of a lot of this stuff, who, you know, early psychologists writing the 19th century – uh, basically said, you know, you should automate most of your life with routine so you can actually think interesting thoughts about big things rather than uh, kind of being, like, overwhelmed in, like, personal administrative details. And I think all of those things kind of, like, tie together pretty well. And so for me, you know, my top three kind of, like, productivity things are, like, one is, like, always be reevaluating what I'm spending my time on and making sure that I'm giving myself a very narrow focus of what I'm trying to do. I think sometimes that can be infuriating to your partner or to your business partners, but it ultimately makes you way more productive. Um, And then, you know, from that, there are certain, like, tools or things that, like, become helpful. You know, it's like I like kind of open office environments, yet at the same time, I think noise-canceling headphones are really important. Um, You know, and then the third thing I think is, like, how do you actually go about having collective focus uh, as a team uh, and as an individual? And there are some really interesting software tools that are being developed now. I think that you did an interview with Ginny from iDumbness, um, and I think that they're developing a tremendous product for helping individual people and for teams um, actually like focus only on the things that are important. So I, I, this is the 20th time I've done this podcast, and I think and I ask that question every time, and I think that uh, your answers are more in line with my thinking than anybody else has ever given. So I appreciate those very much, and they explained very well. Um, so, again, Chris, thank you so much for your time talking about kitchen surfing, and uh, it was really great to hear about it. So people should just where, – where do people go to find out more? Kitchensurfing.com. Kitchensurfing.com. Thanks again, Chris.